Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. I'll tell you a, a secret. I'll tell you how I do messages. Here's how it always works. God will put something in my head, and I just sort of chew on that for, for ages, hours, days, and all that sort of stuff. By the time I actually get to the keyboard, and I do make notes, just so you know. Um, by the time I get to the keyboard, I just sort of spit it out. No problem. That's just, that's just my method. But when I sat down for this message, that didn't happen. I thought I had something great. And so I just sat down, and this is just going to flow out and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just, while I'm doing it, I just, I was stumped. And I'm like, this is not the method, God. So I had a conversation with him about the method and, and how this was sort of outside the box and all that sort of stuff. And he just, he was putting something real strong on my heart. But I just couldn't articulate it. And it really wasn't until the drive here this morning that it really came so crystal clear to me. And so I'm not trying to say that to say that I'm super spiritual and I'm speaking something just downloaded from the Holy Spirit on the drive here this morning. Um, but it's a big thing. And I'm so glad that Pastor Ben is actually here because I absolutely believe that God is going to call you out as a church this morning. Do you know what it means to be called out? Right? If, if you were, I remember back in the schoolyard, if someone sort of called you out at recess, right? You know, we're going to meet, okay, I'm from Canada, so the baseball diamond, which you don't have here at your schools usually, we're going to meet at the diamond recess, you and me, you know, you're getting called out. And everyone knew what that meant. And one of the things that God impressed so hard on my heart was, I'm going to call you out and I'm going to get your attention, and when we read the Bible, we, we have all of these stories of these moments where God called out either a nation or a people group or a person. And, and the particular story that he was putting on my heart was Samuel. And if you know the story of Samuel, he was a miracle that was given to his mother, Hannah, who was pleading to God for a son. And, and after years and years of being barren, God blesses her with a son, and she makes a promise to God that if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And Hannah, at the right time, honors her word, and she takes him to be raised by priests. And so he was like Samson. He was a Nazarite. He was given over to the ministry from birth. And so here is a, a young man who has put... <laughs> in a very unique place, not by choice. And then we hear, we read in Samuel chapter 3, how he's being raised in the temple, and then he has this amazing moment where he's in bed one night and he hears a voice. Right? Says, and it's just saying, Samuel. Now, I don't know if you all know the voice of God or what that exactly sounds like. Samuel didn't. And so he thought it was Eli. Eli was the, the lead priest, and so he went into Eli's room. He's like, yes, what's up? And Eli's like, stop waking me up. It wasn't me. I'm not talking to you. And eventually, Eli clues in, and he says, that's God talking. And so he 
he goes back into his room and Eli basically says to him, just say, the next time you hear the voice, say, here am I. And that's exactly what Samuel does. Now Samuel becomes an extraordinary figure of the Old Testament. Samuel is one of the, Samuel's story is the last judge in the line of judges. The judges, if you've read through Israel's history, God would raise up a judge when he needed to bring correction or turn the nation around. And so Samuel was the last judge. He's the first prophet. And he anoints the first two kings of Israel. All right, so he, he plays a prominent role in Israel's history. Very significant. And the story I just told you about him was when God calls him out. Now, Hannah gave him over to serve in the, in the tabernacle, but she had no idea that he was going to become all these things. And so here's this young man now, and so God now begins to speak to him, and he begins to download a prophetic word for Eli, who is his, you know, basically the guy who's raising him. Very, very long-time priest in the tabernacle. And he gives him a word where God's going to bring judgment on Eli and his sons. You know, how'd you like that as your first assignment? Now, he's a kid, remember, at this stage of his life, he's really a child. And so he's, he's got to give this message now to Eli. Uh, and he doesn't want to. If you read through the story, he doesn't want to. First Samuel chapter 3, he doesn't want to tell Eli. But Eli insists, he says, no, you tell me. You tell me what God has spoken. Now, the reason for this is because the Lord has been silent for quite some time. Even though there were priests active in the ministry for the nation of Israel, God was not talking. And it's interesting that God waits and chooses a new generation who he knew would be obedient to speak to the nation. And I, and I really want you to, to capture that because one thing I know about this church is God has not called you to be another church in Melbourne. What we, I mean, I'm all for church planting, all that sort of stuff, but what we don't need are just more churches being just churches. Opening the doors on Sunday, having some songs, taking up an offering, and doing a message. Thank you very much. Here's your welcome pack. See you later. What we need are churches who get their unique purpose in the big picture and who focus on doing that really well. And I believe that there has always been a unique call on this church, and that's what I'm going to talk to today. Just like God called Samuel out to do something specific and unique in the landscape of history, so has God called you. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you want to be that? Yeah? yeah? Now, did you record that? They all, well, not all of you. I don't want to blame all of you for that. But many of you said yes. I can tell you this. There's always a price to pay. To live out the call that God has over you, there is always a price to pay for that. And many of you who have been on the Activate Church journey have paid a price. There has been a price. And you guys have sown, and you are where you are today because many of you have sacrificed. But there's another season coming 
And this is what I want to talk to. There's another season coming. And we'll always be grateful for what was. But with expectancy, we look forward to what's coming. Yes? Grateful for the past, but looking forward for the future, for the more, for the next thing. And so I I believe with all my heart that, and this is what I'm going to call you out to. Imagine God wanted to use you like he used Samuel in, in Eli's life. Imagine God gives you a word. And he expects you to be faithful to it and to speak it. That's what we know about about the Bible. Every story that you read, if God speaks, he expects. Yes? If God speaks, if God takes the time to uniquely speak into a situation or into a person, he absolutely expected obedience. Now, some people struggled with that. I don't know if you know the story of Jonah. He kind of wrestled with that, but God absolutely expected obedience. And so God will expect obedience out of this, but I'm going to leave that in your lap because that's not my responsibility. What you do with a word from the Lord is not even Pastor Ben's responsibility. That's all on us to personalize it, to internalize it, and to make a covenant or a commitment to it. And so Samuel, this child, has this word that was really tough. Eli had to listen. It, all, it says in the previous chapters that Eli knew that his sons were crooked and doing terrible things in the tabernacle, but he did nothing about it. And so God was bringing judgment on him. I love Eli's response, though. He says, well, if the Lord wants, let the Lord do what he wills. So he gets God, and he's happy to submit to God, but he didn't do the right thing by correcting his sons. And so I just want to draw your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. And this is what it says. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved reliable. So I'm just going to stick on one verse, on this one verse. All right? And I'm going to take it as a model for what God wants to do with you guys. Here's the first thing. It says, so Samuel grew up. Grow up. Now, I'm not you know, saying that in a derogatory sense. But God expects us to go on a maturing journey. God absolutely expects us to be more mature at the end of every year than when we started. Now, some people say, well, that'll just sort of happen because life's like that and all that sort of stuff. That's not what God expects of us is just to survive every year. Yeah? Yeah. And the goal is not, oh, my skin's a bit thicker this year. Hallelujah. Amen. I've learned my lessons. Do you know the Bible never asks you to get thick skin? I've been in meetings with pastors, and their encouragement was, well, get some thick skin on you, because this is going to be tough. You know, like, God never asks us to get thick skin. In fact, 
God asks us to stay sweet, to stay open, to risk always. And so if you think, no, I've gotten wiser because my skin is thicker, you're not wiser, you're harder. There's a difference. And we don't need harder Christians. We need wiser Christians who have embraced a journey of being discipled. Of growing under someone. Because that's the model. I am who I am today, I can honestly say, because of the people I grew under. Now, none of them were perfect, can I just tell you? If you're waiting, oh no, I'm going to be discipled, but I'm just waiting for that right one. You know, that, that, the maestro of disciplers who's got it all together. Well, can I tell you, I've never met one, I've never read about one. They don't exist. Even though Eli was reprimanded and rebuked of God, Samuel was discipled by him. Yes? It doesn't say that when Samuel finished talking, Eli vaporized. And so ended the days of Eli. You know, like... While he had got it wrong with his sons, and I can promise you anyone who takes you on a discipleship journey has got it wrong somewhere. While he had got it wrong with his sons, he got it right with Samuel. And Samuel grew up. He matured. He learned the ways uh, of the tabernacle. He learned the things of God. He learned what it was to meditate on the things of God, to recall the old stories, to remember and be grateful for the journey that the Israelites had been on. He learned the intricacies of the tabernacle. And I don't know if you have ever sort of read through all the things that needed to happen in the tabernacle, but there was like a daily routine that had to be adhered to. We all need to grow up. We all need to bring ourselves to a place where we surrender and submit to somebody who is over us. And not to lord it over us, but to create a safe space to grow up and fail. A great discipler lets you fail and says, I love you and I believe in you. I can't wait to see you become what God's got on you. They just, it doesn't change anything. Imagine Jesus gave up when the disciples made mistakes, right? He would have had to keep getting new people. Yes, he certainly wouldn't have stuck it out with Peter. Because repeatedly he makes mistakes. And yet he's always confronted with the love of Jesus, this belief this, no, no, you're the rock. We're going to build our church. You're going to preach the first message regardless of epic failure. That's who you need in your world. And can I encourage you to get somebody like that in your world? 
If you don't have it right now, can I tell you, grow up. Do not think that you can do this on your own just because you've got a Bible. Because nobody in the Bible grows up and matures in isolation. We need people. Now, that might be a seasonal thing in the sense that you might have somebody for a season, but then another season comes, but there will always be another someone for another season. There is never a season of life where you're not a disciple. doesn't matter how many leadership hats you wear. You always need to be under someone. Because there's one thing I've learned is that there's more to learn. The more I know, the more I don't know. There are always parts of me that need work. And it takes other people to see that sometimes. Yes. Our blind spots, those sort of rough edges. That's why God gave us spouses. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's not another season for that, anyone, just so you know. <laughs> you always have to be under her. No, I'm just, or whoever, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Anyway, <clears throat> but that's an intentional choice to grow up. Don't wait for a magical altar experience of maturity. It doesn't happen that way. You've got to surrender and come under. And it will bless you. It will be a blessing to you. Not because they're perfect, but because they love you. Amen? Does that sound good? All right. Number two. It says, and the Lord was with him. In fact, in chapter two, it says that Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. How, How would you like that? Samuel grew up. In the presence of the Lord. Not only do we have to grow up, we have to stay close to God. Now this too is a very intentional thing, and you can't do it by regularly attending Sunday services. This is not how we achieve closeness to God. Now Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord because he grew up basically in the tabernacle. And in those days, that's where the presence of God was. It resided in the Holy of Holies. He was at a physical point. And so Samuel grows up in the presence of God. He's around God all the time. But what we know now post-crucifixion is that he is no longer in a, in a place. We are always in his presence but the choice that we have to make is to stay close to him to acknowledge his presence and to give him preeminence or to give him that first place in our lives to know him through his word can I tell you one of the absolute fruits of somebody who wants to stay close to God and is being intentional about it is that they actually know the Bible. They don't know 
of it. <laughs> oh, I think the Bible says somewhere uh, in the New Testament, um, you know, some real <laughs> vague reference to the scriptures. But to know the word. Samuel knew the word of God. He knew the teachings of Moses. He knew the story. He didn't have a physical Bible like we had today. But do you understand that it was an intentional thing to stay close to God? And you have to make that choice. In the tabernacle, there was something called the altar of incense. Have you ever heard of the altar of incense? It was an interesting place and the altar of incense always had to be going. There was never a time when that was allowed to go out. And I think it paints this amazing picture about closeness with God. Is that it is up to me to keep that thing going all the time. And so in the morning they would have to go in and light it. In the afternoon or in the evening they would have to go in and light it. And it burned all day and all night. Always. The altar of incense is then referred to in the New Testament as a prayer. A prayer life. Now here's one thing that I admire devout Muslims for. Five times a day, they pray. Very intentionally. They set time aside to pray. Now, I understand we, we often, we, we want the things of God. I mean, yeah, we want the next level and we want the next season. But here's what I know. Unless you're close to God, He cannot use us. Unless you're close to God, he cannot use us because it's not your name at stake. It's his. It's his name that's at stake, right? When you go out there and you proclaim yourself to be a Christian, whose name is at stake? You're the definition of Jesus Christ to everyone around you. And how are we defining him? In order for us to do that well, we must stay close to Him. We must grow up in His presence. We must acknowledge it. We must sing praises in our highs and in our lows. we got to find the truth which we've been given to stand on because I can't trust my emotions and I can't trust my circumstances. I can trust Him. And I can trust his word. And this is what I will stand on. And this is what I will proclaim if I know it. When you're going through your hard time, um, I don't know, maybe you do this. Oh, I'm going to, what was that message that Pastor Ben preached in February 2017? I'm going to go and I'm going to reach into the archives. Get your Bible out. It's great that you've memorized his messages. I'm, I'm sure they're fantastic. But he was just preaching from here, I think. He tells me he does. Yeah. This is where he got his inspiration from. 
You don't need to buy that particular thing and that's going to set the direction of your life. You just need to get into the thing that he's getting into. And know it for yourself. What did Jesus use in the wilderness against the enemy? Only, only, not some quip, not some sort of zinger, oh man, I've, really, I've got this really cool comeback for you, Satan. All he said was scripture. And to that, the enemy every single time had no response. There is no comeback. And I can promise it's the same in your life. That no matter what the enemy is saying, no matter what song the enemy is singing, you speak the truth to him and there'll be silence. It's like mic drop. And that's exactly what God is calling you to. Because God wants a church he can use to bring attention to him. And so you got to stay close. But then it says that the testimony, here was the testimony of him growing in maturity and living in the presence of God. It says that everything that Samuel said proved reliable. And, and all Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words went out to all of Israel. Now, here's the last thing. That all the words Samuel said proved reliable. And here's, now I'm going to start talking into your future. God wants this to be a church that has proven to be reliable. Not just to its people, though. That across Melbourne, people will know this church because the words that they speak prove to be reliable. Now, in those times, he's a prophet, yes? Here's what I love about the gift of prophecy. And remember, Paul encourages us, if we're going to pray for one gift, to pray for the gift of prophecy. Because prophecy creates the highest level of accountability. Right? Because I can't fudge that. I might be able to speak in tongues and not really have the gift of tongues, but you don't know that, so I'm all good. But I can't fake prophecy and have you agree with it. Well, unless I have a lot of sway over you somehow. You better agree in front of all these people. You better agree. You can't. It, there's this high level of accountability. It's either true or it's not true. It either checks in your spirit or it doesn't check in your spirit. And it either comes to pass or it doesn't come to pass. Imagine Samuel goes and finds David and anoints him to be king of Israel and David never becomes king. That in those days means death to Samuel. So you had to be 
reliable. But it came off of the back of growing in maturity and staying close to God. But I believe that this is what God is calling you to, to be that church. I believe that there is a prophetic gifting over this church. And if I get rebuked for all this after, I have another service tonight to apologize. So it's all good, guys. Don't worry about it. Because I understand that what I'm saying is big. I believe. Now, I'm not talking fruity here. All right, let's just be very, very clear. Oh, yeah, get to be a prophetess. Hooray. No, no. Oh. <laughs> this is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I believe that one of the uniquenesses over this church in this city is there is a prophetic thing, a prophetic gift over this church. And I believe that in coming into the next season, it will be ushered in by people receiving words from the Lord and beginning to speak them out. And those words will be proved as reliable. And now you might be sitting and saying, oh, well, that's not for me. Maybe it's for the leadership and they're going to start to be more prophetic and all that sort of stuff. The prophetic is not reserved for leadership, although it does absolutely need to operate under authority. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The prophetic, any gift, must operate under authority. Remember, I started with submission, remember? <laughs> Why? Because we have to create safe spaces for people to fail. And if you're under authority, and even if you get it wrong, I love you, man. Believe the gift is there. It's okay. We're not going to stone you. You do not get disqualified. Unless you did it on a Sunday morning, and then maybe yes. <clears throat> right? We, authority creates safe spaces for people to begin to move in giftings and even sometimes get it wrong, and that's okay because there's somebody there who can correct it. But imagine God puts a word on your heart. You're walking down the street. You're walking to work. You're walking to school. You're going into a, what you have always considered to be a normal space where normal stuff happened. And all of a sudden, God gets your attention. And he says, I've got a word for that person this morning. I want you to go and speak it into their life. Oftentimes, our first response is exactly what Samuel did. Uh, no. Amen. Let's, I'll pray about that later, okay? When God asks you to say something, He does not need you to bring that back to Him to get the green light. Because that doesn't make any sense at all. You don't need to pray about it. The fact that He's speaking is the green light. And because you know the Word, you know it's in line. Doesn't this all make sense? But this is what God's going to challenge you with. Putting you in these kinds of situations with words. Now, Samuel had a word that included a judgment that was coming for Eli. Here's what we know about the New Testament 
and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are for the edification of the body. They are words of encouragement to uplift. If you feel like you've got the prophetic judgment gifting, can I encourage you to go to Hillsong? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't need that. The God is not calling, and if that's what you're hearing, it's not God on the phone. Amen. Amen. That was very much an Old Testament thing. But that's not what we see in the New Testament. If God puts something on your heart for somebody, it is going to be for their edification. Now, it still might be a very tough thing to say, but it's for their edification. It's for their encouragement. It's because God loves them and God wants what's best for them. And if that's not the message they're getting, then... Zip, call Pastor Ben. Say, hey, Pastor Ben, I had this word. And he can vet it for you. But what you can't do is this. You can't say no. You can't say no because a whole generation will miss it if you don't walk in it. And, and God is patient, and he'll wait a generation. And that's exactly what he had to do. Waited until a Samuel came along. So that he could start speaking through somebody he trusted. And somebody who had the life to back it up. But I believe this is what God is calling you to. Is to be a people who move prophetically. You may never get the stage. But that doesn't mean you can't speak a word of prophecy into somebody's life. Yeah? And it will be proved reliable. The people listening, they may, maybe that makes them uncomfortable, whatever, but they can't doubt it. Because they know as it's being spoken, it's the truth. That's what God is calling you to, and that's one of the reasons why I'm here this morning is to call you out. Will you be a people who say, here am I. I am willing to be used this way. I am willing to be absolutely terrified and uncomfortable and outside of my normal that I might be used to help impact and change the landscape of this city. That people will know that when they come here, the presence of God is here, and it's manifest in a reliable way with a lot of accountability and not flaky spirituality. How's that sound? Yeah? Big commitment, though. Let me tell you a story. When I was pastoring, God put, I, I always used to do series. 
And one of the series that God put on my heart was, imagine he could. And I went through a number of the promises that God gives us that we're supposed to believe in, but we often don't. And the series was, well, imagine he actually could do that. Imagine he actually could heal every sickness and disease. The Bible says he can. And Jesus absolutely did. Everyone that came to him was healed. Never, no one left unhealed. And so I just went through this thing. And the last one, and, and it was all orchestrated by God, was imagine he could speak a word into your life. Now what this did was put me in a, a very uncomfortable place. Because... What I said to the congregation was, on this last Sunday, and I want you to be praying towards it, I'm going to speak words over people in the congregation of prophecy. Now, prior to this, God doesn't use me much with the prophetic, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, not much at all. Not really my thing. But God so strongly put this on my heart. And so here's how I would have liked that to roll out. Many weeks before, God starts giving me messages for people. And I would just write them down, and I'll rhyme them off in the service. God, no problem. But that's not what happened. Not even when in the first week when I started this series was God, like, loosening up at all. And God, you know, I like to be prepared. You know, I... I don't want to be embarrassed. Let's just be honest. When it comes to the last week, it'd be great if I had five in the pocket. I'll do other ones too, but if I just had five securely that I knew for sure, another week goes by, another week goes by, the whole week leading up to the whole, this whole thing, nothing. The morning of God in his grace. And he just putting me in this uncomfortable space. I said, it's okay. After you start preaching, I'll start giving it to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's so wonderful. Thank you for not stressing me out at all. <laughs> but the most amazing thing happened as I put myself in faith in a place that I was totally uncomfortable with, but I knew that he was calling me to, he began to speak in his way, in his time. And I could honestly say to the congregation, I had none of this before I started. Because oftentimes that's what we think when people move prophetically, like they somehow, they knew before. That, that's how they get comfortable with this, right? No. It's just a matter of being obedient often. That's all it is. And I can honestly say that that moment was me transitioning into another season of gifting. Because he now regularly uses me prophetically. And I say all of that to simply encourage you. It doesn't matter what you've done before. Just trust what he's doing now. And it might only be one, two, three, four words. That's it. But it's more than before, right? How many of you have been blessed in your life by a prophetic word? Yes? How great would it be 
if every one of you who raised your hand could begin to minister prophetically. That would be over half of you beginning to get people's attention by speaking a prophetic word into their life. There are healthy ways to do this. There are wise ways to do this. I'm not asking you to print up a card that says prophet so-and-so on it or anything like that. I hope and pray that never happens here. All I'm saying is, is that the Spirit of God is willing. He is ready. He is speaking something over you. But the calling out is you need to grow up. You need to stay close. And then He will. Then He will begin to use you. Then He will begin to prompt you. Then He will begin to put you into situations and say, Are you sure, God? Okay, I said I wasn't going to say no, so I'll say yes, hesitantly. And just speak it out in faith. And here's one of the great things anybody who moves prophetically should do is to simply look across at that person after you speak and say, does that check with you? Be accountable, man. Don't just do a mic drop prophetically. You have to accept that. Oh, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I spoke prophetically. You take that on board right now. Be accountable. What that will do is affirm you and them. Because they will say, oh, you have no idea. I I was at a camp. I did a camp just a, 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 well, not just a few weeks ago, about a month and a half ago. And after one of the services, God was using me to speak prophetically. And it was, I love sitting down with people after and hearing the actual story to the, that gives context to the prophetic. And time and time again to hear them say, you have no idea, but 13 years ago I was in a meeting. And the exact same words that you just spoke over my life were spoken over me then. Do you know what that does to you? It's like a shot of electricity goes through you to say, I am so glad I was faithful to speak up and to leave my fears behind me and to just be used by God. And so here's what I want to ask you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.